crossing the river here at Charing Cross, we get a view of the House of Parliament. It's a scene that was to become quite iconic for the Impressionists, and it's also one of the first views that a foreigner would get of London. England's been always quite surprising, I think, because it's an island, so you would expect that it's probably a country where people are quite insulated and, and not mixing, but on the contrary, it's always, always had had a, a lot of um, artists and musicians coming here. You're listening to the latest Tate podcast. Many guidebooks were published in the 19th century and actually recommended foreigners to start their trips with wandering around the river because it would combine, in a way, all that encapsulated London. The next station is London Charing Cross. I'm curator Caroline Corbeau-Parsons. Today, we're exploring how London has influenced and inspired French artists in the company of historian Charlotte Fauché. The boats, the big ships, maritime economy of the city, but also the imperial power. So my name is Zineb Sedira. I'm a visual artist. I've been in London since 86. I left Paris at the time when there was no Eurostar, so by boat. And the reason I'm saying that is because a boat becomes a very important uh, motif in my work in some ways. But for me, the river used to be anywhere on Saturday, Sunday, a place where I would go with the children or without the children for long walks. So it's always been very important to me. I can spend hours walking on, on the beaches of the Thames. What I like with the Thames, you can actually go onto the sand and the beaches down there, and I would pick up stones and things like that. This is something I like doing. I think Paris very much seems like a provincial town compared to London. The scale of it, the, the pace, I guess, in London is very... It's, it's just fast-moving. And, you know, it looks so different. You've got the grey elegance of Paris and you've got the buzz of London. It's, it's beautiful in a very different way. You can say that La Seine in Paris is probably like the, the Thames in terms of its colour, but it's much smaller, it's much more kind of intimate. The river in London is so prominent. Even when it's super sunny, it's, it still has this kind of really greyness about it. But I guess with... With the time, it's like the architecture of, of London. I've kind of took it on and I really like it. Now I see a lot of beauty in the greyness and the greenness about it and the murkiness about it. So I do see a lot of uh, interest and, and even perhaps inspiration about it. But obviously my background is still Mediterranean. I can't change that and I'm more attracted by a river which has clear water or blue water than a river which is like the Thames, you know. There's something different about the light, I think. Woody Allen said that the houses look much more colourful in London because of the grey sky, and they really stand out. In a way, when Monet first painted uh, the view of the House of Parliament, many things around him were new. With St Thomas Hospital and Big Ben being recently constructed, many commentators in the late 19th century also obviously mentioned the iconic fog. And that's something, this blurring of boundaries of building, that's something that we see in Monet's paintings. I remember like the first few days I was here, I actually I got 
tricked into thinking the weather might be okay because I arrived in October and it was like 26, 30 degrees at the time. And what I remember was like, well, the weather decreased very fast and <laughs> became very rainy. And then I was like, okay. Um, but what I remember especially was the sound and like the noise of the, um, the ambulances and like, that was crazy. So for us, um, we see a view that's quite emblematic of London, but for Monet, at the time, it was painting things that were new, catching up with, in a way, the modern city and modernity around him. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> it's the most exciting sound in the world, <laughs> you know? Uh, so my name is Zabu, and... I'm a French street artist uh, based in London for the last six years. I arrived a long time ago in 1999 because I decided to come to England to study for a bit. Uh, it struck me as very noisy, being struck by the noise of the city, by the people. That was like the first like trigger was like basically just being in London, being surrounded by art, the people, the kind of liveliness. You know, it's never, never stopping here as well. I just love that. So I get a lot of my inspiration from, like, you know, the British culture and London itself. Here at Charing Cross Station, many of the French people would have arrived into London and would have get a sense of the city for the first time. So what was known as Little France started here and throughout the 18th and 19th centuries. People opened wine shops, bakeries, um, and Soho became really the heart of the French community in London. My interest, you know, I used to go a lot to Soho when I first arrived, and it's totally changed, so that I don't do anymore, Soho, Covent Garden. It's not at all a place I go to. I feel really actually displeased when I go there now because I feel it's so touristic, so many things have, have changed, and, and it doesn't feel interesting to me anymore. And I studied there for three years because Central Saint Martin was just in Soho. I actually came to London to study, so I did a master's degree here, and then I started uh, painting in the streets um, shortly after that. London is that trigger for me to start uh, street art because where I come from, it's very blank, very conservative. There's not even a sticker on the lamppost. It's like you know, a beautiful French countryside city which is you know, great to live there when you're 50, but when you're young and you want to be creative and you know, gain inspiration, then it was just like boring. So um, basically I moved here from that and I was just so impressed, like walking around London the whole time. I was very surprised. There were more people in inner London than there are now. So you can imagine Paris was nowhere near as populated as it is now. So the contrast must have been completely, um, incredibly striking. And I was always aware that in Paris to access uh, l'école des Beaux-Arts was very competitive, very difficult, and especially for anyone like me of North African background, especially Algerian background. Unconsciously, perhaps, I wanted to kind of get away from from the heaviness and the racism perhaps I had encountered uh, while I was in, in Paris. But as I was studying here, I realised how easy it was for me and perhaps how I wasn't considered really as, as an Arab or as an African or as a North African. I was 
I was an artist or a student artist. So that kind of really, I think, helped me and my practice to develop uh, in a kind of a perhaps healthier setting that it would have been perhaps in France or in Paris. So there were around 18,000 French people living in London in the late 19th century. The French community was dominated by French women. Many worked um, in convents, hotels, as French teachers and governesses. Yes, when I arrived in England, you know, in 86, the food was appalling, I think, in cafes. And as I said, the lack of coffees or camembert or all those things that for me were basics didn't exist here. I used to go to the Algerian coffee shop which always amazed me that there was an Algerian coffee shop who had probably no connection with Algeria, but it was called like that. And it still exists, actually. It's quite nice to see that. So I think the, the, the boundaries are blurred. Uh, and that, I think, it's thanks to all that kind of... Uh, those immigrants have moved in, you know. And, and I think it's amazing. It's, it's really amazing. But so also had, uh, I think, the jazz scene, because Ronnie Scott was there, the WAC club was on the other side. I was working at the Café de Paris, which was just around the corner for many years. But there was, of course, Central St. Martin, so there was always, like, student uh, spending time, you know, in Soho. Because it was more shabby and more, yeah, less posh and nah, it was always more interesting to me. Well, the artists arrived at different times for different reasons, but all around 1870 and 1871. And in 1870, there was the Franco-Prussian War, And uh, within six weeks, I think 100,000 people died on either side. So in just six weeks, the Second Empire fell. And it was very difficult for, for people in Paris to accept. And there was an insurrection, a popular insurrection in Paris, which effectively was a civil war, and that was called the Paris Commune. And these people, had, in majority, came following the dire political situation in France, uh, the revolutions in the mid-19th century, the Franco-Prussian War in 1870, which was followed by the Commune of Paris. And as a result, a lot of communards had to leave the country. Some came to Britain. And today we have a legacy of that communards activity from the late 19th century, Maison Berthaud, a French patisserie on Greek Street. The current owner of Maison Berthaud is Michel Wade. The shop was started in 1871. The, the shop hasn't really changed very much. The, the area has changed around the shop. And I don't think even the clientele have changed very much, to be honest. I think that the, the same type of people come as they, as they would have come. And I was thinking about all the um, current artists that come here. I've been here recently, and Jeremy Dillon, Mark Wallinger, and Steve McQueen, and then there's fashion people, as I'm being Catherine Hammond, all these people. And I'm sure that... Over the, over the years, for example, Howard Hodgkin and people in the 20s, it's always had the same type of clientele. The only big difference is now is because people can move around the world more quickly and get more people from other countries. But the shop itself, the, the, I, think the, the, I think the design of the shop is, um, must be very similar to how it was because um, behind here, the counter, we, have, um, we didn't even know that was covered up with plaster. It's got a beautiful French fireplace. It's not English. It's French. So what's the history of the fireplace? Well, we don't know, because what, what, um, it was always covered up, and I, I took the board off recently when we had some repairs to do. I found the fireplace, and it must have been here since maybe the turn of the century, but uh, one of my customers, he told me that's not an English fireplace, so he must have, Mr Berthaud must have bought it from France. So this area was full of French people because they had the, um, 
the French Protestant church, the French church in uh, Saint-Tropez-Guy. Mm. I, mean, I remember when I was a little girl, you could only get croissants in two or three places in London. You know, there wasn't, we were the, practically the only place that was making croissants. There was here, Capuchet and Valerie, and that was it. There wasn't anywhere else. You really get lots of French people, they love scones. We have hundreds of French tourists come. They come straight off the Eurosoft, come straight down to Maison Bertot. <laughs> it's strange. They're mad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when we've got a little exhibition upstairs of art, this lady, she's an artist, she's just putting her art up. Yeah, so many different artists. Because you need those sort of people, because they're very understanding. They add a different atmosphere, a different ambiance. Mm. This would have been their living quarters before. You need more lights in here for the art, don't you? Yeah. I'm just hanging the show, so... I'm, my name's Rachel Levitas, and I'm hanging a show which will open next week. I love this cafe because nothing has changed ever since I've been in London. I was a student here, and uh, I find it conducive because, you know, it has this air of decayed elegance. I just think that's quite rare now. Yeah. yeah. This is a favourite artist haunt. This this cafe. Yeah. yeah. Well, my all the artists I know in London know it. Yeah. Thank God for the artists, eh? Thank God for the artists who drink tea. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. So we're in Whitechapel, uh, Spitalfield, I guess, uh, area quite lively just like tons of weird shops and you know I think that's great um hairdresser a barber actually very very traditional very weird for French people for me actually I'm just like never seen a barber shop before you know moving here and uh yeah we're actually coming onto uh one of my pieces as well which uh, is on the shoulder over there and it represents uh Salvador Dali with this uh, melting watch, like melting on the actual floor. So when you p- walk past, you can see uh, you can see the paint like going on the floor, and you can see like the watch melting. So it's kind of a, like a little bit of 3D, uh, like very interactive, very funny. Um, so I'm painting uh, in Whitechapel, Oldgate area. And I'm doing a Alice in Wonderland themed uh, mural. I remember having the book and like reading it. I think I had an English version as well somehow <laughs> when I was a kid. So it was one of the books I read to actually learn English. So I just love like exploring like the kind of you know British myth and uh, legends. What I love about painting in the street compared to painting in the studio is that when you paint in the street you're completely out of your comfort zone so you're you know you're in the public space you're actually impacting the public space you know you're taking uh, a little bit more control over where you might you know walk past every day and the amazing thing is like you're always facing challenges so you're out of your comfort zone you know, that's for me, that's the best feeling is like overcoming all of this and being in a public space and placing your art there is also like, you know, making a statement. Um, everyone's able to see it um, for free, which is amazing. You don't have to pay. You can just walk around 
seeing beautiful or horrible artworks as well. you know but that's like depending on the taste of you know everyone um so i love like i love that interaction as well you're in the streets you paint and so you might you know uh, touch a little bit of these people's lives somehow we can see the uh, french protestant temple here on soho square um, it's a fairly mo modern building dated back from the late 19th century, but Huguenots have been coming to Britain since the 17th century. So many Huguenots decided to come to London because it was a much more liberal city. And the liberalism of London carried on attracting French men and women um, for many different reasons, political reasons in the 19th century, economic reasons perhaps in the 20th and 21st century. I think since the economical crisis in Europe, like there's been definitely a massive flow of you know Frenchies coming to London, but the UK in general. Since Brexit happened, obviously that tendency has been reversed. But I think we're like 250,000 French people like living in London. Like it's ranked the fifth or fourth city, like the biggest like you know French <laughs> community abroad. So yeah, um, that's pretty cool. Hi, nice meeting you. I'm Benedict. Hi, lovely to see you. Welcome to our beautiful church. Very few people know about it because most of the time it's closed actually. It's all new open on Sunday. My name is Benedict Fougier. I moved to London in 2006 and I've been volunteering at the French Protestant Church in London for three, four years. So it was designed in 1891 by Sir Aston Webb. So exactly at the same time, he designed uh, the extension of the Victoria and Albert Museum. It's also from 1891. I totally see this church as a blend, a complete blend of British and French influence. On an architectural basis, design and even the, the location, and still you had this historical root in Frenchness, in where, where the French community was, and I think it's absolutely wonderful just to be still able to have this building as symbolism of the French community uh, here in London. There were so many French people in the neighborhood in the 19th century and beginning of the 20th century that just two streets from here, there was a French school, French Protestant school. And we have kept, so it closed after the Second World War, but we have kept the bell. So Brexit is a huge question mark on the future of the congregation. We want to be very optimistic because uh, we've been here for 500 years. So, But we already heard story indeed of people going back to France. One or two couples from our congregation went back at the end of the school year. When I came here, what I mostly liked about England was the tolerance I felt there was. So I'm not saying it was perfect in, in no means. I know there was a lot of problem, but I still felt it was much more tolerant than France. I didn't think that at the time anyway, to be a Muslim was really an issue. The next station is South Kensington.
change for the district and circle lines. A light for the museums and the Royal Albert Hall. My children identify as British, but they all have French passports. So my friend just moved to Paris about two weeks ago. He does sense that there, there is something happening in London which is not quite nice, especially because he looks quite Arabic, you know. And he has said that he had few comments because of the way he looks and his name. And, you know, I think he has to, to, to see it for himself in the same way that I saw it for myself when I came here. There is still a few French artists uh, in the street art uh, in London, but I think since since uh, Brexit happened, like we unfortunately we've lost quite a bit of um, you know different nationality and European artists like kind of just going back home because maybe because of you know fearing a little bit what London is going to become. There are French in London everywhere, in East London, North London, but South Kensington is traditionally seen as the epicenter of all things French. We're just standing next to a tea shop and I can see from here the French consulate, uh, the end of the French school as well, and the French institute. I used to think you had to be to have one identity and, and, and you know, and if you didn't, perhaps it was problematic. But living here actually um, helped me to understand that uh, how lucky I was to have all this identity, the French, the English and the Algerian, you know. The question of authenticity um, always come, or used to come back a lot. You know, when I was in France, I wasn't French or French enough. When I was in Algeria, I wasn't Algerian, Algerian enough because I was living in France. When I was in England, I wasn't, you know, English enough or British enough because I was French or Algerian, you know. Uh, but I realize now that it doesn't matter anymore that you, I, I take what I want from any of them and I leave out what I don't like, you know. My name is Izzy Burke. I'm 16 years old. I'm a student at the French Lycée in South Kensington. And uh, we're in a very quiet art class now. <laughs> So when did you come to London? Were you born in London? I was born in Paris. Um, I moved to London when I was six. Well, no, I moved to England when I was six. Do you feel London has influenced your life in any way? Oh, yeah, for sure, because you really feel the culture in London and you feel the melting pot of people and the different stuff there is and the amount of galleries that you can go to. I mean, I spend my life at like the Tate and the Tate Modern and seeing all these different things and sort of walking in the footsteps of people that have been here before. I mean... Right here is where, if you just go down that road, up, and over there there's Francis Bacon's old studio, I think over there is his house. So we're literally living where Francis Bacon lived and where he used to go and all that kind of stuff. Do you feel that's influencing what you do here in the art class? Yeah, definitely. I'm actually doing a project at the moment um, about, kind of about London. I'm doing a little zine. I'm going to leave it on the tube. The idea of it was uh, when you're on the tube, if you don't have music, it's kind of a moment of meditation, almost, of like self-reflection. So I wanted to make a little zine about London. I did all these ink drawings of like a real free hospital and stuff and these different things that you can see um, so people can read it on the tube and have a little think about that kind of stuff. <laughs> and do you think that being French influenced your art in any way? Yeah, um, because um, it means you can have... Um, 
different points of view on stuff. Being French, you can see London through a kind of French lens almost. You can compare it to other things. Being French is a part of being a Londoner as well. They go together quite nicely. As a Londoner, I imagine it's quite easy to take the parks for granted. But when you're a tourist, you are overwhelmed by the amount of green spaces that there are around you. And I'm not surprised that Monet and Pissarro would have been influenced by the surrounding here in Hyde Park. Paris, you walk down the streets, it's all very kind of narrow. And you still, when you're walking down the street, you feel a bit kind of closed in by all this, all the buildings and... But in, in London, it's a different thing. There's a lot more... I mean, you have Hampstead Heath. I live right next to Hampstead Heath, and it's just, like, the best place ever. You can go, and it's, like, complete quiet, and you can feel the kind of pollution kind of come out of your lungs, and you can breathe a bit better. And I think, who is it? Um, was it Constable that painted all the clouds on Hampstead Heath? And I could just imagine, like, just sitting there for hours and in this kind of calm, quiet place away from the hustle and bustle. And also we have Hyde Park just up Exhibition Road, so that's really close and we go there sometimes. Uh, that's a really lovely park, so you have the Serpentine Gallery. I saw Grace and Perry recently, so you can literally go there and then you know, cycle around. And It's nice to have a bit of greenery in this inner city. You don't really have that in Paris that much. Because what I like in London, I take a lot of pictures of the sky, which is sort of not super original, but I have this one. I have this one of the Royal Free, and I just love the kind of grey hospital building against this beautiful sunset <laughs> and that kind of lovely contrast. Just like when Monet was painting the Parliament mm-hmm. and um, St Thomas mm-hmm. Hospital, yeah, yeah, and yeah. the blurry background. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, you know, I, I think you can you can get lost in the city, but you never really forget the kind of you know to kind of breathe and look up and look around. You always have. I think it's, I don't know, it's a bit more open than maybe Paris, I think. To see works by some of the artists mentioned on this podcast, visit the EY exhibition Impressions in London French Artists in Exile on at Tate Britain from the 2nd of November 2017 to the 7th of May 2018. Take, take some time tonight and just walk around your street, look at the shutter, look at the walls, see what you can find. It's always interesting. Go to tate.org.uk forward slash podcasts to find out more and subscribe to Tate Podcasts in Apple Podcasts or Acast. I think today we have a typical autumn London day with the grey sky and rain, which is about to fall onto us uh, but you can imagine how Monet would have taken that in, in his painting What really struck most of French artists working in 1870 were London parks you had no equivalent in Paris nature felt much more domesticated there and it was forbidden to walk on the grass The thing with like Londoners in the parks is like as soon as there's a little bit of sunshine, you see people in bikinis, like laying in the park, and that's like the most ridiculous thing ever. You know, it's so funny. A Tate podcast by Falling Tree Productions, with special thanks to Zineb Sedira, Zabu, Michelle Wade, Benedict Fougier, Easy Burke, and Charlotte Fauché. Produced by Alan Hall and Sarah Cudden. 
Executive producer, Sanma Gua. 